0: So if you're a founder of a startup, maybe you need some brutally honest advice from somebody who's been there. For this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, I visit with Rand Fishkin. He is the founder and former CEO of Moz, and he's written a book that you're going to want to get into because it's got some really practical and heartfelt advice of what he learned along the way. Payroll and benefits are hard. That's why I switched to Gusto. And to help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive, limited-time deal. You sign up for their payroll service today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance, and my guest today is Rand Fiskin. He is the founder and former CEO of... Moz, I think people used to call him the wizard of Moz, and he actually has a new venture called Spark Toro, which we'll touch on today. But we're gonna talk a lot about his new book called Lost and Founder, a painfully honest field guide to the startup world. So Rand, thanks for joining me. John, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I said off air, but I'll say it on air as well. I've I've been doing this podcast forever, as a lot of my listeners know, and I can't believe this is the first time I've had you on. So it, uh, <laughs> it's a treat for me. So uh, we are going to talk about your book, but i got to ask one SEO question, um, and it's a really broad one. Uh, where does SEO sit today?
1: Where does SEO sit today? Well, um, it's at an interesting point in its history in that, In a lot of ways, search has become a mature industry, and SEO has too, and that means that it's more competitive than it's ever been. And for the first time, uh, I think thanks to the growth of voice search and how Google is displaying answers, there's actually not the same amount, not the same acceleration rate of increasing opportunity in SEO. So it's sort of everyone is warring for more, um, you know, more competition, but uh, with less potential new opportunity yeah. so interesting time frame you,
0: you know i've been uh, i've been coaching a lot of business owners that uh, that i think there's an element of seo that needs to be much more strategic uh, so as we plan mm-hmm. their website their messaging their content even seo has to be a part of that um I, even how we structure you know their entire business to some degree before we even start talking about as you said the technical aspects and i think that's a um, I think that's a message that's starting to make sense to people, maybe because it's gotten so competitive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's going to be very, very tough for businesses that tack on SEO as an right, afterthought right, right, right. to compete against the folks who bake it into their marketing that's DNA. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, I've been doing
0: this a long time and I can't tell you how many small business owners would get a website built, put some form of content on it and then come to me and say, would you SEO this? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you used to be able to do that. <laughs>
1: You did. I mean, that's the problem. The problem is, I think that, you know, the perception of the industry is always going to be five to 10 years behind where the industry actually is.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you use the word startup in title or at least the subtitle of the book. And that's such a term anymore that gets uh, bannered around. I'd love to know kind of what you consider if you have a definition of a startup.
1: Yeah, I think it's a company that is uh, striving for rapid growth. Um, and seeking to find a scalable repeatable business model that works
0: well isn 't that every business
1: <laughs> well i I would hope that most mature <laughs> most mature businesses are seeking to uh, maintain their growth rate or maybe grow it a little, and most of them have already found a scalable repeatable business model, so startups are unique from both those aspects
0: and so the culture is unique. The point of view of the founders is unique. Maybe even the decisions they make from a profitability standpoint are unique.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and in many cases, right, a mature business, the founders are not involved anymore, right? In you know, they, in many you know, long-standing businesses, the founders are retired or have passed away. Um, in many other businesses, you know, that are mature, founders have left and they're off doing other things. Uh, but typically in startups, founders are still heavily involved, and so that changes culture and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. So th-
0: this book is certainly a guide for somebody who's starting a business. So in that way, it's kind of a you know how-to book, but it's also very much a memoir. And uh, so I'm curious yeah. um, if you if there was something that really compelled you to include the painfully honest part.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that I've always been passionate about. And part of that is, you know, the, the catharsis that comes from the release of writing about something. But um, a big part of it also is that when we when we share something that is not often shared, right, that the painful parts of a journey or the, you know, the, um, the hard issues, we help people to feel like they're not alone in their journey. And that is a really, really important aspect of all the work that I that I did at Moz and that that I think I'll I'll ever do is trying to, you know, hopefully forge a path for other people uh, to follow in and to to be able to feel less alone. So,
0: of course, while that is um, that is obviously an awesome contribution to the world of entrepreneurship, um, I suspect that it also, you know, in a a lot of ways, you've got a new venture going. Uh, In a lot of ways, I guess the question is, what did you learn from it?
1: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, I think, I mean, Lost and Founder is really exactly that. It's kind of a, hey, what are all the lessons that you're taking away that, that you wish you could have known before you started Moz? Um and and trying to pass that on, you know, to a next generation of entrepreneurs, but also to myself. I mean, when you when you sit down and collect your accumulated knowledge and you know put it into a written form, I think you process it in a way that you would not otherwise be able to do. And so this is you know this is a very positive um, learning experience for me as well. and I think I, I hope you know it'll have a good impact on on Spark Toro. So
0: I've written five books um, now, and they are you know me postulating ideas, I suppose, uh, which you know, hopefully, Bring some value to the world, but the idea that I would also sort of share things that were painful, that showed that I was actually vulnerable, that, that I didn't have all the answers, maybe at some point, uh, it, was that was that scary at all for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's always scary. I mean, the the difference between transparency and marketing, you know, or honest marketing, right? At least, is that when you're when you're doing honest marketing, you are not telling any lies, and you are you know, showing off the good things that you've done and things that you've learned. When you're being transparent, you are both being honest and embracing, wholeheartedly embracing the hardest, toughest, nastiest, ugliest parts of yourself and your journey uh, and exposing things that other people would normally want to hide, things that could embarrass you and make you look bad. And I think there's actually more more power in that, in that one, uh, certainly from a representation and a, you know, helping people feel not alone. Part of it, 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 it you know, the, the, Oh, I'm going to tell you the Facebook story of how I, you know, became the third richest person in the world. Yeah. Eh, <laughs> not, it's not that interesting to me, you know, yeah. like, right.
0: so you have a lot of fans, uh, obviously your, your whiteboard Fridays. Is that, so Friday, am I getting the day wrong? Um, I forget, but
1: uh, yeah, yeah, White Boy Friday, sure. Sorry, sorry,
0: had a momentary lapse there. Your White Boy Fridays obviously had lots and lots of fans. So, how has that fan base, if you call them that, um, reacted to the book?
1: Uh, I would say people who people who have known me and followed me for a long time, um, this book probably you know was a very good match. Um, I think the one the one frustration which um, uh, Andrew Warner from Mixergy noted when I talked to him was that uh, you know there's maybe two two or three chapters that touch on SEO and web marketing kinds of things, um, but this is not an SEO centric book. And of course, you know most of the people who followed me historically over the last 17 years have done so because I'm in the SEO world and I help people you know learn more about that topic. Um, so I think that it's a departure on that front, but uh, hopefully. And I think for folks who have read it, um, which is a few, I don't know, something between two and 7,000 people, I think, have bought the book so far. Um, You know, for those folks, it seems to be doing well. I I get a lot of nice comments online so far. So we'll see.
0: Um, Do you feel like, uh, again, the, the world of what, you know, Maybe it's a misperception about what startup life really is like. Do you feel like a lot of people who are starting businesses kind of look at the Silicon Valley sort of common advice and common model, and really kind of fall prey to that in a not so positive way?
1: Yeah. Well, I think one of the challenges is that Silicon Valley uh, startups are built for a very specific asset class, uh, venture capital, right, which is an asset class that's designed to invest in you know a hundred companies and Three or four of them will return the entire fund and another 10 will be doing OK and the rest will hopefully die because the partners don't even have time to engage with 100 companies. Right. And you don't want to be putting money toward an investment that's not going to return, you know, 5x, 10x. So the, the advice that Silicon Valley startup world gives to companies is very good if you fit that model. And it's pretty bad if you don't fit that model. Um, And I think the the challenge is that, you know, popular media and culture and, you know, all of the focus of entrepreneurship, especially over the last two decades, has been so heavily centered, so heavily biased toward that model um, that the vast majority of businesses, which are not in that vein and shouldn't follow that advice, sort of. Help, but be seduced by it.
0: Yeah, well, especially since that's really all the media will talk about is that one percent that does it, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, this is a this is a big challenge. It's a challenge in all sorts of things, right? If um, you know, if all the toys are geared towards, well, if you're a boy, you know, you have to play with army toys. If you're a girl, you have to play with princesses. Well, no wonder, you know, kids want to dress up as certain things for Halloween and act certain ways when they grow up. And you 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 lose some of that freedom.
0: Years ago, I'd take my kids to to McDonald's. Okay, I'm just going to admit it. We got the odd happy meal every now and then. Yeah. And, uh, and they would always say, do you want a boy toy or a girl toy?" I was like, what does that mean? Uh,
1: <laughs> it drove me what do I mean? <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why am I not allowed to play with dolls and why are they not allowed to play with Transformers? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah.
0: All right. So now that you're starting another business, um, how, how long, 17, 18 years? Oz?
1: Yeah. So I dropped out of college in 2001. So this would be, yeah, this would be 17 okay. years in. So,
0: And now you've got a new venture going. Um, Would you say that your business point of view in
1: general has changed?
0: Oh, yeah. And I guess if so, how so?
1: (laughs) Well, so, I mean, I'm one of those people who absolutely fell prey to the, you know, classic Silicon Valley startup, right, taking venture. That's the the ultimate challenge, and that's the ultimate goal, and that's what every entrepreneur, if you're a great entrepreneur, you know, you seek to do that. Um, And, of course, now that I've been through that experience, I sort of have the the wisdom to say, "Hang on a minute, that's a that's a totally biased perspective." You you don't there's no one class of entrepreneur that's so much better than another. You know, if you start a bakery, you are no less an entrepreneur than someone who starts a tech company. And if you raise venture capital versus getting a bank loan, you are no less or more of an entrepreneur. So I think those, you know, removing some of that um, external input is is certainly a big thing. The, the other big one I'd say for me at least is uh, having a lot more self-knowledge. So some of that's being able to like, you know, push exterior forces away and recognize what I want. But also some of it is being able to say, okay, I know that I often fall prey to these problems or these mistakes. I know that I'm good at this and not good at that. I know that I need to shore up these weaknesses. And I know that I have challenges with, you know, hiring or wh- whatever it is um and so i think that's why so so much more um so many more entrepreneurs who start businesses in their you know 30s 40s 50s 60s tend to on average have higher success rates than those who start them earlier in life no surprise
0: wouldn't it be great if in your business all you had to do was the stuff you love the reason you started the business and not all that administrative stuff like payroll and benefits that stuff's hard especially when you're a small business Now, I've been delegating my payroll for years to one of those big corporate companies, and I always felt like a little tiny fish, but now there is a much better way. I've switched over to Gusto, and it is making payroll and benefits and HR easy for the modern small business. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. If you sign up today, you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash tape. Well, so, and and I'm not suggesting that that you started Moz for this reason, but uh, would you say that you are now more sort of mission driven than, say, innovation that could blow up and, and be a big deal?
1: Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, let's see. I would say in my, you know, life personally and broadly, I'm a very mission-driven person. But um, as far as the business goes, like SparkToro for me is not. Oh, I want to, you know, solve this bordering on philanthropic problem. Uh, it's very much a hey, this particular marketing problem that I kept seeing people have. Um, and that I encountered a lot when I worked with uh, uh, with newer companies or companies that for whom SEO wasn't a good match. Uh, that problem feels like it there's a great technological solution that could help with it. So no, I think I'm I think I'm still very innovation driven when it comes to product market.
0: So do you get I'm assuming a lot of startups or wannabe startups writing you and saying. What should I do first? Or where do I start? What's your best? What's your one piece of advice, right? That everybody always likes the one thing. Uh,
1: Some combination or aspect of those questions. I think I get uh, two to three emails a day, sometimes more.
0: So how do you not necessarily, how do you manage that? But do you have, (laughs) uh, do you have sage advice uh, for the person that you decide? I'm going to sit down and write a long, thorough, Fulfilling
1: email back to yeah. users. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Lost and Founder has been great on that front because for a lot of the, hey, what, what should I do? What should I not do? How should I think about this? You know, there's, there's a chapter for a lot of those uh, items in the book. Uh, that being said, I think probably one of the most common ones I get, no surprise, because of my, my background in web marketing, is, you know, where should I? Uh, start my web marketing efforts, and how should I, you know, attract my first customers? Um, and for me, the answer to that is always sort of a the intersection of three things: one, an area where you have uh, personal passion and interest. I I have never found, literally never found anyone who said, you know what, I hate Instagram, hate the whole platform. Oh, it's terrible. But I do get most of my business that way. Right. <laughs> right. It doesn't it doesn't happen. People who are not interested in or passionate about or have, you know, um, have some value that they can describe to that they're just not great at it. So I tell people to pick a marketing channel uh, that they personally like. If you hate SEO, you hate content marketing. Fine. Go for ads or you know, yeah. PR or something else. Right. Uh, the second thing uh, is somewhere where you can add unique value. And the important word in that statement is unique. Many people can add value. Many people can copycat other people who are adding value. It's very difficult for a lot of organizations to recognize how they can add unique value. Why is this thing that you're doing more unique, or uh, uniquely valuable to the audience? Um, and if you have a great question, answer to that question, uh, and the first one, the third thing is, you need to pick channels where your audience actually pays attention. Yeah, I, so I tell you, you find people, something at the intersection of those three.
0: A lot of people really struggle with that uniquely valuable thing because they just yeah. hey, what I created is surely it's valuable. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I find the best way to find those is find problems. <laughs> you know, what, what are people yeah. complaining about? What are they not getting? You know, like when they leave reviews with competitors and, and they talk about they didn't show up on time or, you know, just whatever goofy things they're saying. Those are the problems that you need to figure out.
1: Yeah, or or problems where people um, are only solving them in one way, right? Uh, uh, You know, for example, lots of people are having this problem, and no one is helping those who prefer video content or those who like podcasts or no one's doing visual-centric content or, you know, no one's solving this uh, in a way that's accessible for whatever, an older demographic or, uh, uh, you know, that kind of thing.
0: I'm certain because of your kind of front of the, you know, leading edge, I suppose, SEO, online stuff, um, you occasionally have people that say, okay, on this stuff that's coming, you know, what's coming next? So maybe just riff for a minute on, you know, voice search and assistance and AI and bots. And, you know, that seems to be kind of the thing that's got a lot of people's attention, but they're not sure if they should pay attention yet.
1: Yeah, well, so, okay. First off, my broad advice on this is that when you are investing in marketing, you do not need to and should not be leading your market. You should be following. And I, that sounds weird, right? Because we, we have this culture that's so innovation-centric, like what's the next big thing? And how do I make sure I don't get left behind? First but mover advantage. In marketing, advantage. <laughs> right, right. There's a first mover advantage. In marketing, there's a first mover advantage, but not until the market moves. So for example, I know a bunch of companies that invested very heavily in chatbots over the last few years. They were sure three, four years ago that chatbots were gonna be the next big thing and they built a bunch of tech around this. And those have not paid dividends for very many companies at all. In fact, I would say the majority of folks I've talked to who've invested there regret investing deeply. They sort of, they still think like maybe in the next few years, it will be something that consumers really want, but so far, meh, not so much. Um and so I, my yeah my broad advice is follow the market don't try and adopt something before it's popular you know don't be on whatever kick, you know that who went out of business or um you know plurk. periscope plurk. or something plurk. like that
0: oh, remember plurk i think it was called yeah right there yeah <laughs> um yeah.
1: all right
0: um, so awesome Tell us a little bit, I haven't given you much uh, much uh, time to talk about Spark Toro, but uh, tell me uh, tell us about what you're trying to do there and who you're trying to serve.
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. So this is I mean, this is a product for sort of a, a lot of different marketers uh, who encounter a consistent problem that we saw, which was uh, basically folks would try and figure out. I have this audience I want to reach. Maybe it's a new audience because I have a new company or I'm trying to expand my audience and grow, uh, but I'm trying to reach this audience and I don't know where I should go to reach them. And because of that, I spend all my money with, you know, Google and Facebook and the rest is sort of, eh, I don't know what to do. Um, and, and as a result, those, you know, those behemoths become even more giant. Uh, when in fact, if you dig into any audience, there's almost certainly... You know, podcasts that they listen to and YouTube channels they subscribe to and people they follow on social networks. There's publications that they read and news media and and blogs that they consume and online forums that they hang out in and events that they go to right offline at places that they they actually go to and participate in. And discovery of those different people and publications and sources is an incredibly manual, challenging, often weeks or months long process. For a marketer to discover and uncover, Uh, and if you have to do it every six months or every year, it's even more painful. So that's what we're trying to solve with SparkToro uh, through technology.
0: So how niche can you get with that? I mean, could could you go down to you know some obscure form of engineering software company or something of that nature? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, the idea is that you could plug in, you know, something very broad like I'm interested in reaching um, travelers to Southeast Asia. Um, Or you could go for something more niche, like I want interior decorators on the West Coast. Or you could go for something hyper niche, like I'm looking for uh, mechanical engineers who work in clean water facilities.
0: Um, And what's the um, obviously people can go to SparkToro.com and uh, check it out. But what's what's the basic revenue play there?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, (laughs) since we just started, it's going to be nine months, maybe a little more away before we have any kind of product. Um, So you can go you can go check it out, certainly, and and read a little bit more about the problem. And, you know, if you want, you can sign up and get an email when we launch. But uh, but there's nothing there yet. Um, The eventual idea, though, is that I want to do something very much like I did with Moz. I don't want to charge you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars to use this product. I want this to be something that anyone can subscribe to, and use. Sort of a you know a search engine for marketers to figure out to learn more about their audiences, affinities, and where they pay attention.
0: Well, I think it's a brilliant idea. So I will certainly be on that waiting list of uh, when when you get it going. So. Right. Oh
1: well thank you John.
0: Th- thanks so much for uh, for joining us and uh, hopefully yeah. next time I'm out Seattle way we can uh, we can meet in real life and uh, have a beer or something of that nature.
1: Oh, I look forward to it. All right thank you.